All right, guys, we're going to get started this morning. Uh, it's a, it's a pri uh, privilege to have Tori Williams here with us. I believe he did a um, uh, marriage seminar for us a few months back. So we're blessed to have him preach for us today in the morning service and the evening service and serious men. So let's give him our attention this morning. Amen. Glory to God. Good morning. Uh, good to see you guys. Good to be here, of course. Uh, I do appreciate uh, the invitation. Pastor Greg and the staff here. Um, uh, Numbers chapter 12. I want to look at there this morning. Just get right into it. Um, and I want to read. I, I was bouncing back and forth, to be honest with you. I, I thought of doing something this morning on the issue of consistency and being consistent. Um, uh, because I often say in my own church, anybody can do anything for a little while. Uh, and so, but <laughs> I want to, I, I really got moved this morning, honestly. I know people say that, but I woke up this morning. In fact, I had to just edit um, uh, an actual sermon that I wrote because I want to deal with something that um, I think at some level, some place, we all will uh, encounter in ministry or leadership. And so um, I want to deal with the, the issue of how we handle criticism. And, uh, and not just correction, but really how we handle being critiqued, because at some level we'll all be criticized. And so uh, Numbers chapter 12 uh, is, is where I want to go, and I'll just read here, uh, sorry, verse 1. It says, Then Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. And they said, Has the Lord indeed spoke only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? The Lord heard it. Now the man Moses was very humble, uh, more than all men who were on the face of the earth. Another translation says he was very meek. Suddenly the Lord said to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, come out, you three, to the tabernacle of meeting. And so they came out, and then the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam, and they both went forward. Then he said, hear now my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. I speak with him face to face, even plainly, and not in dark sayings. And he sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And so the anger of the Lord arose against them, and he departed. And when the cloud departed from above the tabernacle, Suddenly Miriam became leprous as white as snow. Then Aaron turned toward Miriam, and there she was, a leper. So Aaron said to Moses, O oh, my Lord, please do not lay this sin on us in which we have done foolishly and in which we have sinned. Please do not let her be as one dead whose flesh is half consumed when he comes out of his mother's womb. So Moses cried out to the Lord, saying, Please heal her, O God, I pray. So this is kind of just an introduction in our text, but as a question, how many have ever been uh, falsely accused <laughs> uh, uh, or misrepresented, or should we say, or even slandered? Uh, I had a situation um, that happened in my own ministry probably, I guess now it'd be about four, three or four years ago, but um, I was... Uh, my name was being slandered, uh, and I won't go obviously into all the details, 
But up until that point, uh, I had never really experienced anything like that in my ministry. Uh, and it was by somebody who, in one sense, was pretty close to me. Uh, we were peers in the ministry. Uh, I was pastoring, he was pastoring. And again, uh, uh, I won't go into it all, but it had, be, it had, it had gotten pretty heavy. And so, you know, uh, if you've ever been in a situation where you feel like you've been under attack or you're under attack or maybe just your name, uh, your character is being assaulted or your reputation uh, perhaps is under fire, uh, your testimony, uh, that you've started, you know, building a testimony and then uh, it comes under attack, then this can be a very, very dark time. You know, for me, it was, it was, it was like a cloud. Uh, that followed me. You would go on, I'd go on with my ministry, go on with life, uh, but this thing kind of was always there uh, and kind of following me. And so uh, uh, I believe this can happen in your home. Uh, this can happen in your workplace, uh, so depending on where you work. It can happen in church. Uh, your ministry, as I mentioned, can come under attack. Your leadership uh, can come under attack. And so in our text, uh, this is actually what's happening. Uh, as we enter into chapter 12 in this text, uh, we know the story here, but what happened prior to this text is, if you know, Moses uh, or the people are complaining about uh, what's on the menu. They're, they're complaining about uh, the food that Moses is giving them, the manna, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but now we move to chapter 12, and it's much, much different. The complaint is not just about, uh, you know, some issue. But now the complaint is directly against Moses. And so the context is the issue of criticism. And criticism basically is putting a name or face to our complaints. Okay. And so in verse 1, it says, Then Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses. And I just want to say as a backdrop that part of leadership uh, is somewhere you're going to face criticism. And I say that because uh, we live in a very hypercritical world, social media. I mean, people just get online and just blast people, uh, you know, say anything, uh, you know, uh, behind the screen. But also, we also, in my opinion, live in a generation where people can't take criticism. Uh, you look at any athlete, anything, on the, I mean, somebody just says one thing and all of a sudden they're labeled as a hater you know, they're, they're, they're just shot down. Uh, and I'll just say this as a backdrop. There is a such thing as constructive criticism. I mean, understand that uh, we definitely need to have people who can look at our life, uh, who can uh, have an outside view and give us some constructive criticism. Uh, constructive criticism obviously means that behind that criticism is, our, is they want the best for us. Uh, there's really our, the best intentions involved, but, uh, and we all need that. Um, one man said, dangerous is the person that has no one who can or who dares to critique them. Uh, look no further than, uh, you know, the leadership over North Korea. You know, if you, when you have no one who can critique you, no one who uh, can speak anything to you, it's very, very dangerous. Uh, but constructive criticism is great. I was at the barber the other day, and I don't know if you like my haircut, but uh, my barber, you know, I always, he, I always tell him, man, you do a great job very quickly. And uh, I said, how did you get so good? He said, my customers. 
And I said, what do you mean? He said, because anytime I jacked up their hair, they let me know. <laughs> he said, so, you know, and what he was talking about this, people just gave him constructive criticism and, you know, it made it better. But the other type of criticism is uh, what we see in our text. It's not constructive. It's not meant to build up. It's actually meant to tear down. Um, it's a verbal blow. It's a low wound, low blow, if you will. And so in our text, Miriam and uh, uh, Aaron attack Moses. But what's interesting is they first went after his marriage, uh, his wife. Verse one, then Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married. Uh, and so the idea is they took a personal shot at Moses. I mean, if you really want to, uh, you know, get to a man, uh, you don't have to attack him personally, just attack his wife. You know, attack his family, attack his children. Um, you know, I'll often say criticize me all day long, but when it starts to come against my wife, my family, then it's like, man, it's time to take the gloves off. You know, then it gets serious. And so, um, and in our text, the critique wasn't even the real issue. Uh, their issue was with Moses's leadership. Uh, in verse two, again, they're actually questioning his ministry or his leadership. Uh, verse two, they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not also spoken through us? And so they're critiquing his ministry. And when I was going through my own struggle, it was like, it was very personal. Uh, it was coming against my ministry. Uh, it was coming against uh, certain decisions and it wasn't constructive, but Nonetheless, I was asking God, God, how am I going to deal with this? And, you know, if you've ever been in those situations, uh, the first thing you want to do is defend yourself. You want to uh, come back and say, hey, man, you know, uh, bring all the reasons why this isn't true. Why, you know, you want to maybe go on a, the attack mode against that individual. Uh, but in our text, uh, it tells us how to deal with criticism. And God's answer for criticism is meekness. And I want to talk about meekness because, you know, in a men's discipleship, you know, meekness is probably not the most popular topic. I mean, you know, uh, you know, but meekness, uh, uh, according to our text, is how you and I as men of God deal with criticism. Uh, it's by being meek. Uh, in our text, think again. Here are the people who are criticizing um, Moses. It's Miriam and it's Aaron. And what's interesting about Aaron, if you know Aaron, obviously uh, he was the high priest, but he was also the guy, how many know, who had made the golden calf and had everybody dancing around the golden calf. And so I say that to say, um, it would have been very easy for Moses to say, look, man, you got an issue with me, but what about you? I mean, you had everybody dancing around, you know, uh, the golden calf. Um, uh, he probably would have brought that up. Uh, but one of the things about meekness is uh, they say the most natural defense is self-defense. That you just naturally want to defend yourself. You want to go on the defense. And, and, and the way we do that typically, right, is we start pointing fingers at other people. And we start discrediting the messenger. Uh, but Moses didn't do that. 
uh, and it says Moses didn't move in self-defense, but he also didn't move in self-promotion. Because one of the other things we do is when we've been critiqued is we start trying to name all of our positive things. Well, yeah, but I've done this, and what about this? And we go on record and we list all of our positive things. And, and, and so what meekness does is it allows God to defend you. And we all like to say, oh man, just trust God, God will defend you. But when you're going through it, one of the hardest things to do is to just allow God to defend you. Is to say, you know what, God, you know the truth. God, you know the issue. God, if it's a character flaw, if there's something there, speak to me. But one of the most difficult things to do when you're being, when you're under attack is to just let God defend you. And what's so powerful in our text, if you uh, uh, go back and read it, uh, when they are, when Miriam and Aaron are criticizing uh, Moses, uh, what's interesting is the Bible doesn't say that Moses said anything. As they're critiquing Moses, the Bible says that the Lord heard it. Our text says that they're going off about, well, has the Lord only spoke to you? And they're speaking to Moses, but the text says uh, that God heard it. And what's interesting is that Moses doesn't even reply at all. He doesn't, you know, try to defend himself. He doesn't start promoting himself. He simply just allowed God to defend him. And when God defended him, what he did is he called uh, Aaron and uh, uh, Miriam outside the tabernacle. And he also called Moses out. And what's interesting is it's almost like being called into the office. Have you ever been, have you ever done something? And it's like, <laughs> hey man, pastor wants to talk to you. And you're like, and right away your mind starts thinking like, <laughs> wait a second, man. You start like rehearsing, right? You know, the, put the tape on rewind. Like, Why does pastor want to talk to me? What did I do? And right away, man, you know, uh, you're kind of like the prodigal coming home, right? You're, you start rehearsing, man. When I get there, this is, this is the conversation. And so God basically, he says he calls them out to a meeting. And he calls them out to this meeting and starts, you know, uh, and, I, and it's interesting to me because he calls Moses out too. And I believe the reason why he wanted to have Moses there is because one, he wanted to show Moses, listen, I will defend you. I want you to see that because you didn't go on record and start trying to defend yourself and start, he wanted to show Moses, listen, I've got your back, I'll defend you. And you know the story, our text says he strikes Miriam uh, with leprosy and we know leprosy was this deadly disease. But what's so powerful about the text to me and it really speaks to the issue of meekness is it wasn't until Miriam was stricken with leprosy that Moses now decided to speak. So the idea of meekness is that you're not, it's not this just weakness, it's not that you never have anything to say, it's not that you're this quiet, you know, kind of reclusive, uh, introspective kind of personality, but meekness is powerful because it, it doesn't defend itself but yet it does defend other people and it does defend the kingdom of God. And so what's so natural is to defend ourselves, but meekness says, listen, God will defend me, but yet if there's something uh, that somebody else is coming under assault or the kingdom of God, then meekness will step in and defend what is righteous. Moses uh, steps in and it's so powerful because here Miriam, the one who spoke against him, 
the one who assaulted him, the one who came against his ministry, the moment she came under attack, Moses stepped in and said, look, God, don't, don't punish her like this. And that's so powerful to me because one of the most powerful things you can do and one of the most powerful displays of meekness, which is a spiritual character. You know, we talk about character a lot, but most characters just moral. It's like, just do right, just do. But spiritual character is a whole nother element because it's how you really respond in that hidden place when maybe nobody really knows the attack you're under, uh, what's coming against you. And spiritual character is able to display Christ in the midst of the assault. And here we see Moses do that. He steps in, he defends Moses, or excuse me, Miriam. And the only time he speaks, he speaks these, I think, seven or eight words. He says, listen, Lord, don't, don't do this to her. And he steps in and he prays for Miriam and God relents. And it's very, very powerful. Um, but uh, in this issue, uh, you know, having this ability not to defend yourself. And I say that because it's so natural to say, you know what? I'm gonna step in and defend myself. Uh, this isn't right, what they did, what they said, uh, how they're treating me, uh, they're slandering my name. And I say this because somewhere in ministry, especially, you're gonna face uh, where you're being misrepresented, misrepresented, uh, where you're being falsely accused, and you're going to want to defend yourself. But one of the things you've got to learn is really God will defend righteousness. God will step in. And it may not be, I always say God's, you know, God's on time, uh, but it may not be on our time, you know. But God will step in. And I had to learn this, uh, you know, uh, through uh, years of just allowing things to play out. And ultimately, in my own situation, God really did step in. God really did. Uh, uh, you know, God is so amazing because the person who this individual was trying to slander me to, uh, what's so powerful is that uh, God spoke specifically to this person. And he called me one day and he said, Tori, I, I just want you to know uh, these are some things that are happening. These are some things I'm hearing. But I want you to know I, did, I don't believe it at all. And I was, you know, it was like three years down the road. And I was thinking, man, this whole time I've been like, man, every time I see this person, they're like, yeah, I heard about you. <laughs> and so the reality of it is God really stepped in. And so I just want to kind of open that up and leave that there. But uh, no matter what you do for God, we all like to say, yeah, just trust God. God will defend you. But when you're going through it, it is very, very easy to step in and actually uh, short circuit or abort what God's trying to do in the process of uh, uh, developing you and also uh, probably developing the other person who's on the other side. So I just want to kind of stop there and, and maybe open up for thought. Anything that if you've ever been uh, you know, how many ever again been through it where you, it's like your, your name is on the line, your character. One of the things I just talked to a guy, uh, you know, we're, we're very, if we're not careful, we're very quick to label people. Uh, we're very quick to just put it because it's easier that way. Or we just assault people's character without really realizing it. Uh, I'll give you a, a, 
another example, we were, we just took an impact team to China. And we have this guy who does our passports uh, down in Phoenix. And he does our passports, our visas. And he asked for a certain documentation that he needed. And when I was explaining to the guy, that, uh, you know, this pastor we were going to, this friend of mine, uh, and again, we all do this, I'm not even, but he, he said, he said, why does the guy need that paperwork? Uh, you know, he said, he doesn't need that paperwork, he's an idiot. And I said, hey, wait a second, man. Like, this guy asked for a piece of paperwork, and now we just went into assaulting his character. And I'm thinking, you don't even know this guy. And, and but, and my, my point is, we are, if we're not careful, very quick to just like disparage someone's character. And I think we got to be very careful uh, that we don't do that. That uh, you know, we don't just go on you know these rampage and, and start assaulting people's character because uh, it's very hard uh, to come back from slander. Because once it's out there, you know, it's out there. I was thinking about years ago, uh, I think it was the Duke lacrosse team. You know, this, this, this lady had a, accused them uh, of raping her. I don't know if you remember. This very high-profile case. Uh, but they later came out to find out it wasn't true at all. Uh, but what was, what was interesting to me is that years down the road, uh, these same men would, would tell their story in a book about how much trouble they still had getting jobs, getting married. Why? Because this thing that was spoken back here, although it came out to not be true, it was just not legitimate. But once it's out there, uh, you know, and this is why even Satan knows this. And so uh, the Bible says, if you smite the shepherd, right, the, the, uh, the, the sheep will scatter. And so one of the things hell uses to break down churches is he'll just take a shot. He'll just slander uh, the man of God. He'll slander those who are in leadership or those who are in ministry. And as you're serving, uh, because he knows if he just puts that out there, uh, then he's already done a lot of damage. Because even though uh, sometimes things are proven to be untrue, once that perception is out there, for some people, that's still a reality. And so, yes. Well, you know, what's interesting in the text is that Miriam and Aaron said what they assaulted Moses on, they said, you think that you're the only one that God speaks to around here, right? But what's interesting is that God had actually said in the text, I speak to Moses like I don't speak to anybody else. He said, I speak to him face to face, you know, like, and so it was a lie. Like what they were saying wasn't true. In fact, what they were saying, God said, that's exactly, you know, Moses is a little different in that regard. Um, so I think you deal with it. Uh, and I'm not saying there's never a time to bring the counter evidence, but I think the danger, I guess I would say, is we get, we get so caught up in defending ourselves that we get sidetracked from what we're supposed to be doing in the kingdom. And having this understanding that, you know what, God will defend me. God will defend me. And I've seen it over and over now uh, over the course of years. It's amazing how 
proficient God is at defending righteousness. And you've heard it said before, but if you just do right, it'll come out right. And that's, again, easier said than done when you're going through the gauntlet. Uh, you know what I'm saying? But having the long-term view, many times we're so short-sighted. And, uh, you know, a lot of times if we try to defend ourselves, uh, a lot of times we just, we just muddy the water even more, you know. Uh, but really trusting God. And I'm saying this because somewhere, and this is why I wanted to do this on this, because I don't care who you are, eventually you're going to need, you know, meekness is, a, is, a, is such a, like I said, a spiritual character. You're talking about the Beatitudes. You know, the Beatitudes are paradoxes. You know, on the face, they don't seem to work. That's why we don't try meekness. We say, no, no I got to. I gotta step in, I gotta write a letter, I gotta, I gotta make a phone call, right? I gotta, I gotta plead my case, I'm going into the office right now. I'm, and we go on and on because that is our natural instinct. But the Beatitudes talk about supernatural spiritual character. You know, things that are not natural to us and allowing God to defend us even though again, we say it all the time, it's not natural at all, it's supernatural and in that moment, I think if you'll step back and say, you know what, God is a God is a, a just God, and He will bring it around. Yeah. Kind of thinking about what you're talking about your personal story too, like the importance of being grounded in your relationship with God. Because you know, Aaron and Miriam, they, they obviously weren't grounded in with God and in the relationship. She did, you know, start slaying Moses. They were off. Yeah. So just the importance of paying attention to God and grounded, and that'll help you deal with life for all of other people, same thing, about other people, or Yeah, you know, one of the things uh, along what you're saying, I think that um, one of the things that's helped me in ministry that I learned, and I think it'll help, you know, when when I went through it, is in counseling, you just learn, you know. There's always another side, right? There's always more. There's always two sides to this, right? And that's great wisdom, I think, in just whenever you hear anything, because we all hear things about people. That's just you know, uh, and and I don't care who you are. It's it's hard to not let those words affect you at some level, whether very minimally or you know. And so that's a difficult thing. But understanding, you know what? I haven't heard the other side. And real leadership, uh, you know, uh, always has to take that into account. Like, wait a second, I'm, I'm hearing one. Because I'm telling you, sometimes people come into my office, and may, whether it's a husband or wife or, you know, two guys. And, and the, you know, the tendency is the first story you hear, because a lot of times it can be so convincing, man. You're like, man, this dirtbag, I can't believe that guy. Man. You know, and you're ready to just run down that road. But you say, wait a second, wait a second, there's another side here, you know. And, um, you know, 
again, it is, but, but what you're talking about is having that discernment because, you know, think of Jesus. Jesus, Jesus and Moses are the only two people I, I've seen in the Bible who it says they were meek, right? So this is a, this is a serious, you know, uh, but Jesus, when Pilate, you know, was accusing him, hey, they say this, they say you're this, and he just stood there. And he said not a word. He said, well, it is as you say it is. I mean, they were falsely accusing him, right? It, was, it would have been very simple to just lay it out. Man. Here it is. This is their motive. This is their this, this is that. But he just allowed, you know, uh, the Spirit of God to just come and defend him, you know. And, all, and here's, the, here's the real kicker is sometimes in waiting or trusting God, you do pay a price. And that's the part that really is like, this isn't right. This is unfair. I mean, Jesus went to the cross. And, you know, and, and, and that's the part where we kind of, that's where we stop trusting God many times. It's like, no, okay, I'm willing only to, so far to pay a price. But trusting God in the process, meaning God, how this works out, for good or bad, I'm really willing to trust you in it. Because it's all got to pass through God. You know, and you've got to have that kind of discernment and that kind of spiritual fortitude to say, God, you know what, I'm just going to trust you. I'm just going to trust you. And, and I don't mean you never state your case, and then, but you leave it with God. right? Leaving it with God is very, very critical. Because otherwise, you start on this like path where, man, if you're not careful, you start discrediting that person. You start becoming the very person you understand what I'm saying? You start acting in ways that now God's got to fight against you. <clears throat> you know. So. Did your pastor play a role in counseling you through that? You know, um, not until later. You know, not initially. Initially, <laughs> again, I don't. But initially, um, I was just wrestling with it, and because the person had gone to pastor. <laughs> I, I didn't quite, I didn't quite know how to handle it. If you know what I'm saying, because pastor was mixed in with the, amongst other pastors, <laughs> you know, pastor Campbell was also mixed in and it was like, okay, God, if I go to pastor Campbell right now, it's going to seem very reactionary, very defensive. You know, you're having all these things swirl and it, you know, it might actually, backfire you know and so I really just had to get a hold of God and and, and to be honest with you uh, it, it seemed true and it wasn't anything you know moral or it was just it, it was just a slander against my ministry and and it, it just it, and so going to Pastor Campbell initially would have seemed very defensive so later but but to answer that question Later, Pastor Campbell actually came to me and he said, you know, and then we had a conversation and he said, you know what? And I talked to him, I said, he said, you know what this person had said, Pastor Campbell said, I actually, I actually, I actually researched it for lack of a better word. He said, I actually talked to a few people and I figured out it wasn't true at all. You know, so he had already done his due diligence unbeknownst to me. But he had already, you know, God had already moved him in the right path to defend me, if you will. 
I have another question. Um, so how did you, obviously your wife had to do all this too, and watch, was she watching you go through all of this? Yeah. So I don't know how you know, defensive she wanted to be about it or, you know, whatever, but how did you protect her from the situation and protect your marriage? Yeah. Yeah, and, 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 and part of it, her, she was included in a sense that, because I was included, it was our ministry, but um, I would love to tell you that I didn't spew any of it on her. I'd really love to tell you that because that would be the right answer. Um, but it got so bad that I felt like she was the only person I could really talk to. But in the midst of that, it was like God began to like harness me and say, look, TMI, no, too much info with her. And I was able to cut it. And then I just began to pray that God would just have grace that what I had already spoken to her to be quite frankly, wouldn't, wouldn't really affect her like it had affected me. So uh, the right answer would be, I should have just internalized that, been like David, take my complaints to God, you know what I'm saying? But at that time, it was like we were almost in it together. But I did go too far in what I spoke to her, to be honest with you. Yeah. So meekness is not natural, right, yeah. to any of us. How do we develop that? Yeah. I mean, for, for other people, I mean, not. not. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Uh, you know, it's kind of like <laughs> what our brother talked about these spiritual uh, qualities. You know, you, you never know how close you are to God until you come under attack. You know, because the natural thing to do is to hit back, it's to be vengeful. And, uh, you know, that's what, you know, loving your enemies, these things that we hear, we're like, yeah, man, love your enemy. You know, these are radical statements, you know what I'm saying? Meekness is a radical quality. Uh, so the only way is you got to get closer to Christ. It's a simple answer, but, you know, man, it's in, the problem is you're not going to just respond meek in the moment. You know, we think that, in a, but you've built up a, a closeness to God and also uh, going through these things you know it's almost like riding a bike you're not gonna lie, learn how to ride a bike by somebody talking to you about riding a bike or you're gonna have to get on the bike man and fall a few times uh, you're not gonna learn balance by me explaining well this side and this side you know you know I learned years ago you can't teach balance right you know, I try to take my kids, teach them how to ride bikes. I'm like, lean this way. No, wait, lean this. And I'm like, you know what? The way he's going to learn balance is to just start riding a bike and fall. You fall a few times, you're like, oh, okay. Don't do that. You know? And that's kind of how meekness is, man. You go through these situations and you learn how to trust God. You know, and that's, you know, as God's building our faith, man, he doesn't expect us to walk on water right away. You know, he first just says, follow me, you know, and then he, it's a, it's a, it's a, a progression. If you, our faith is a progression and spiritual qualities are really a progression, but you learn them as you go through them. You know, it's like I tell my kids with math, you're not going to learn math unless you start working out the problems. Right. And so, uh, uh these situations, and this is why I'm saying this, because if you're going to do anything in ministry or leadership, the opportunities for meekness will knock at your door absolutely and it's in those moments where you got to say wait a second man. I gotta I gotta trust God 
I got to think of what Jesus did when he was being reviled and persecuted and falsely accused and slandered. He spoke, he uttered not a word, you know, and so, you know, besides getting closer to God and we could, you know, pray and read your Bible, all of these things that we talk about being, a, uh, you know, I will say too, out of this, I developed a real friendship with a, with a, with another pastor who's probably my best friend in the ministry, and he's really somebody who will tell me, "Tori, you're crazy, man. Don't do that. Don't do that." And I trust him not just to do, to say that, but I trust his advice. You know what I'm saying? Like every time he gives me advice, it's really sound. And I really think, you know, we hear it all the time, man, that having somebody, maybe who's not even your pastor, but who, will, who really will hear you and say, I wouldn't do that. You know, you, we need that, man, you know. And so, uh, hope that, if that answers it. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if this was okay as well, but just talking about, but uh, you mentioned constructive criticism. Yeah. Well, again, the, 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 the larger context of that is, this is what I always say, man. If you want to find something to critique about leadership or people, easy to find. Easy to find. And we can clothe it in spirituality. And that's kind of what they're doing here, is they're clothing it in it's outside of the, 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 the race, the law, the, you know, but the reality of it is <laughs> we're flawed, man. And then even God defended him as far as the, uh, he said, are you, is God speaking through you? And he said, because God said yes. Um, but so that actually was God, uh, Moses was doing what he was told to do, basically. But would there be a, a would meekness still be the go-to when you're, uh, Maybe it's something that isn't exactly what you should should be doing. Maybe you're making a mistake, or it could be as far as a failure or what. Like you're just like someone criticizes you, but it's not constructive. It's kind of like an attack. But you kind of deserve it a little bit. <laughs> Maybe this still. Either. Well, yeah. I mean, you, you know, uh, uh, their motive is something between them and God. If you, uh, you know, we don't have time to, I, I can't assess everybody's motive, but uh, the validity of the critique is what we've got to analyze personally. Yeah. You know, if it's valid, it's valid, man. And that's, that's the constructive part. Maybe they meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. You see what I'm saying? So their motive might absolutely be ill, but nonetheless, God might be allowing that critique for our good. See what I'm saying? So uh, I'm not I, I'm not necessarily saying, be, and that's where we get the danger of if we can discredit the messenger, then we can discredit the message, right? That's where that whole idea comes from because that's the most typical thing to do, right? We just start saying, well, who are you to tell me? You know, and what about you? And, you know, and it's so quick to do. I mean, I do it, you know, enough, but you know, in my marriage, you know, I'd love to say that every time my wife critiques me, that I say, man. 
Thank you, Jesus. You know what? <laughs> I was just praying about that, and and God, that's why that's why two are better because you, you know. But usually, I'm like, like, you know, you know what I'm saying? It's like, hey, I could, I could, and you know, I've been silent. You know, I could say some stuff. You know, and that's just a natural response. You know, it's like. I'm ready to like go back, you know, down the list, you know. I just did this the other day, you know. My wife brought something and you know, it was true. And it was like, but <laughs> you know <laughs> it was true, but that instinct, instinctive quality of like, well yeah, I mean, let's talk about you, you know. And so we 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 it's that's our default. That's our default. But to stop and weigh it in is very, very critical, man. Because sometimes God speaking to you through the most unlikely of people and through not the circumstances or the filter we desire. How can you have that mindset to expect it? Oh, yeah, well, again, you know, we're talking about a, a spiritual quality that it, it's very hard. It's very hard. Uh, but again, as, uh, asking some questions, God, is this you? Even, even when I was going through this situation, to be honest with you, I kept praying because I, I understand that God has to allow things. You know what I'm saying? Even though this is ill-intended, da-da-da-da, it's like, God, what are you trying to show me? I, I try to always ask that question, maybe not initially. <laughs> I loved it, but okay, through the process, like, okay, God, wait a second. What are you trying to show me? And 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 that's a, I think that's a good question to ask. Yeah. Yeah. Could you also say people who are meek, like who actually have the quality, are people who are more secure in themselves of who they are as a person, not necessarily. So the people who are yeah. insecure would be more, like you know, preempt to defend themselves. Absolutely, uh, you know, insecurity really is we don't trust God. That's what insecurity is at the base level, you know. Um, and and I've often said, and Pastor Campbell attested to this, but I think you know we talk a lot about pride being the, you know, pride always tries to be this internal defense lawyer you know our pride no more wants to jump in and start you know uh plead our case and, and but pride and insecurity if you know they're they sleep in the same bed and and that's what i think is more dangerous as i you know study people if you will is when somebody's really insecure uh then all of these things come out. And that's, you know, Satan, yeah, we talk about his pride, but really he wasn't secure in who God had made him, in the position God had given him, and in what he was doing for God. And so, you know, um, uh, the, the irony here, I guess, it's funny you brought this up, because uh, the reason that the person had gone on an attack against me had to do with insecurity. Pastor Campbell acknowledged that. He said, why do you think this person's so insecure? I said, Pastor, I don't know. And we live in a fatherless generation. We could go on and on about, uh, you know, what produces insecurity, what's, you know, but more and more, uh, I mean, again, social media, somebody says one thing, and it's like people break down. 
suicide, you know, when you look at the suicide rates, you know, you have like seven or eight suicides in the entire canon of the Word of God, and, and but the suicide rate is just proliferated. Well, one is a loss of hope, but also there's a people who aren't secure. Uh, but on a theological level, insecurity is you just don't trust God. And learning to trust God, being secure in who God made me, where God has me, you know, what God allows to come to my life, very, very critical quality. Yeah. And we all have some insecurities, if we just be honest. But trying to really deal with those and look those in the mirror and say, God, I, uh, because dangerous things happen out of insecurity, both to us and out of us. Maybe something off topic, I don't know. So as a pastor that instilled that spiritual quality in people and your disciples, would you say, you know, instead of, you know, a lot of times pastors will say, all right, we pray about it, is that his way of trying to help us build that spiritual quality so that we can gain a certain generation? I mean, obviously, whatever we're asking pastor about, but what are some of the ways that we can instill that in? Yeah, you know, um, you know, the word of God, obviously, um, you know, because um, when people are going through or under attack, because, you know, all the problems are relational problems, right? Because hell knows if, the, you know, recently, I, you know, it, it came to me that every attack hell does is really against a relationship in your life, your marriage relationship with a brother, relationship with your headship, it's all aimed at destroying relationships. Because if he did, that's why we say Christianity is a relationship, right? It's not a religion, it's not, it's a, and so all, everything hell does is he's constantly trying to break down the relationship. And, uh, you know, uh, and so when, I, when you're talking to people and you're, you're trying to help them through the attack, you gotta really get them to see that the relationship is still more important than the issue. It really is, man. And even with this brother, and I'm not saying I got here overnight, but I had to come to the place, man, where the relationship, where I realized we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So you read all these scriptures, like, yeah, yeah, man, we wrestle not, principalities, uh, spiritual hosts of weakness. But when we're going through it, again, criticism is like, our complaint has a face. Right? That's what it is. It's like, no, Moses, one thing we're complaining about the food you're giving us, but now we're complaining about you, you know? And so, uh, you know, now it's like, okay, and, and what and what Moses did was very powerful. It's like asking that person, uh, because I, I will tell you this, eventually I confronted the person, but not to defend myself. It really, I had to confront him and say, you know what? Uh, he, you know, it's just an interesting thing. He actually asked to speak to me, right? And he said, hey, I want to talk to you. And, he, and his, his statement was, I feel like there's something there between us. And I said, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was very interesting. I said, you know, I feel like there's a, I forget, it, you know, there's a rift or there's something. And I said, yeah, 
there is. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and, and as he explained, I, I was just honest with him. Well, you know, this is what happened. This is what you did. You know, and, you know, I'd love to say it was just this happy kumbaya moment. But really, it was like, you know how it goes. I didn't say that. I didn't mean this. I didn't, didn't. And I said, it's no problem. I left it with God. But to answer your question specifically, uh, the relationship is more important than the issue. And really not letting hell destroy that relationship. Because if you have enough destroyed relationships in your Christianity, I don't care who you are, it's going to really affect how you serve God. Most people have walked away from the kingdom of God, from the church, because somewhere they, either they themselves have destroyed one too many relationships or they have allowed the relationships to be cut off. So you really got to fight for relationships and, and ministering to people. Hey, the relationship, like we said, this relationship is more important than money or it's more important than the, it's more important than the issue. And, and, and seeing that in the moment, man, that's my brother. Uh, yeah, who knows where he's at or what he's going through or why, but I've got to still try to fight for the relationship. Yeah. Was there a, I guess, complete healing in the, in the situation as far as between the relationship? In the past, uh, it sounded like he was at least a, a close enough friend or, or, or yeah. brother in the, in the church or whatever. Um, and then now post everything happening uh, to be honest with you the person is not serving God now um, so that's a you know yeah. uh, but I, I'll, but I'll, I'll tell you this I don't feel justified that that took place if you know what I'm saying oh God worked it out yeah. but I do feel good that I didn't, I didn't, you know what I'm saying? Because if he wasn't serving God and I had responded how I initially wanted to respond, I might feel like part of the blood's on my hands, if you know what I'm saying. And I don't have a clear conscience and, you know what I'm saying? And so that also may be, you know. And I believe, and this is something I prayed about, I believe that God has already used me and God is going to help use me in his redemption. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and because that relationship wasn't seared, and, be, and due to how I responded, only by the grace of God, but due to how I responded, uh, I believe I'm one of the people he'll still listen to. That somewhere he, he knows what he said, did, etc. but it's like, I didn't, I didn't retaliate. off topic I don't know how you normally do this but I'm not here all the time so if you have another general question or thing
Yeah, yeah. Um, Moses just stepped in, and uh, I think later, um, uh, beg my memory, what is it? What's the terminology that I use? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, he, leprosy would destroy you from being in the camp, you know, so the presumption there is. She could be welcomed back in. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, the most, you know that you can, um, you know that you've moved past it when you can really be a blessing to the person. You really can, because, you know, praying for them is, I think, the initial step. And, you know, God bless them, God moved. But then what happens when God wants to use you to be a blessing to them? In the in the in the practical, you know what I mean. Uh, that you know, um, uh, I think about. Um, gosh, I can't think. Of, uh, Bathsheba's father, Uriah. No, no, I'm sorry, not Uriah. Um, uh, gosh. Anyway, you know Bathsheba's father. David had this issue with Bathsheba, right? You know, we all know about it. Um, I can't hit the fell was her grandfather. But anyway, David had this issue. Well, um, it's, it's right there. But nonetheless, when David dies, or when he's about to die, he lists his mighty men, right? And he names these, I believe, 37 men who were instrumental and pat his back and supported his ministry. And in that list of names is Bathsheba's father. And I say that to say because... David had, you know, violated his daughter. He was the king, you know, there's a lot there, but he had violated his daughter. He had had his son-in-law murdered. And in the midst of all of that, David could have got very bitter, or excuse me, uh, this, this guy, I can't remember the guy's name, but he could have got very bitter. He could have gotten very, but he became one of David's mighty men. Right? Because he somewhere he said, you know what, I'm not just going to forgive you or pray for you. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to be a blessing to you. And I think that easier said than done. <laughs> easier said than done. Eliab. Eliab, yeah. Eliab. Thank you. Eliab is listed there, man. And it's just one of those small notes in the word of God that is so powerful to me. Thank you, by the way. <laughs> Some of these names, man. Just pronounce it.
Okay, any more questions? Going once, going twice. Okay, that's all we got this morning then. Amen. Thank you guys.